Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Let's get into the Word of God, y'all. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 has already been read. The New Living Translation has been shared with you. I want to read the King James Version. I'm going to attempt to minister from the King James Version. I'll be going from the King James to the New Living Translation back and forth. Uh, to share what God has put on my heart. Uh, This month, the month of July, we are canceling addiction. We're canceling addiction, canceling addiction. The month of July, we're canceling stuff all this year, declaring this the year of cancellation. We're taking active measures to cancel, delete, abolish, get rid of stuff that we may have tolerated. Um, It's time to just stop tolerating some stuff. There's a word today for those of us battling addictions love jesus battling addictions love jesus but struggling with addiction i want us to look at hebrews chapter 10 starting at verse 19 uh let me read from the king james version real quick feel free to keep your seats having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh and having an high priest over the house of god let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke, one, uh, to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Amen. 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 Um, I'm just going to share what's in my heart. I don't even have a title for this. This, It's a word. Um, Let's call this media team. A word for the addicted. Let's call it that. A word for the addicted. A word for the addicted, because we're canceling addiction uh, in the month of July. This is a word for the addicted, a word for the addicted. Let's make it clear at the outset that uh, the, the author of Hebrews, we don't know who he or she was, was not writing necessarily to people who were battling addiction. That the author of Hebrews did not have in his or her mind to share a word to encourage folks battling addiction, whether it's addiction to alcohol or, 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 or prescribed painkillers or, or cocaine or crack cocaine or meth or, uh, or, or marijuana or uh, addiction to applause, addiction to feeling, ne- addiction to feeling needed. Um, th- this author was not necessarily writing to addicted folk, addicted folk, but I believe that any f- follower of Jesus who is struggling with addiction uh, can, can, can find uh, hope and empowerment to move forward in their walk with Christ from the book of Hebrews, from the book of Hebrews. Because uh, the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews was written to, uh, we believe, three different crowds. Their scholars may disagree as to exactly to whom Hebrews has been written. Some scholars suppose Hebrews may have been written to Gentiles. Gentiles. Some scholars believe that Hebrews may have been written to Gentiles. Maybe these were uh, Gentile Christians striving to follow Christ. Uh, But a lot of people write off the notion that Hebrews was written to Gentiles because there are so many references to the Old Testament, uh, Old Covenant that's found in the Old Testament. But some people think that this may have been written to to Gentiles, people who were not uh, worshiping Jehovah before, but may have been worshiping idols, worshiping idols and had come to Christ out of having been delivered from worshiping idols, 
idols. But a lot of people write off the notion that Hebrews was written to Gentiles or primarily to Gentiles. Then there are some who believe that the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, was written to Hebrews, uh, Jews, who intellectualized following Christ and embraced following Christ intellectually but did not commit to following Christ wholeheartedly. There are some who suppose because of some verses uh, uh, in Hebrews that the author may have been thinking about writing to folks who had embraced Christ mentally, intellectually, thinking that what they heard about Christ, what they heard about Jesus sort of made sense to them, but they didn't quite embrace him as their savior and Lord. It, uh, it would bring to mind conversations with this crowd will go something like this. Um, have you accepted Jesus? Have you have you heard of Jesus of Nazareth being the, the promised Christ of God? Yes. In fact, I've heard about it. I've had conversations about it. I've had I've been in conversation with people. And, and it makes sense to me. I, I can understand it. I, I get it. I, I do understand it. So have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Oh, no, I'm not going that far now. I mean, I'm acquainted with the religion. I've had conversations with people who embrace Jesus uh, as Messiah. But no, I ain't. Uh, I ain't saying I'm embracing it. I'm not saying I've accepted him uh, as Lord and Savior. I'm not going to go that far. So then there are many who believe that Hebrews was written to, to those folks, to those folks. Then there are some, there are some scholars who believe that Hebrews was written primarily to Hebrews, Jews, if you will, who had uh, intellectually embraced Christ and wholeheartedly embraced Christ. Where the, 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 the notion of Jesus of Nazareth being the promised Christ of God, the savior of mankind, the savior of the world, it, it clicked in their spirit and they embraced him as Lord and savior, accepted him as Lord and savior and followed him as followers of Jesus. Despite which crowd we may think uh, this letter was written to, and we can disagree on that, one thing that's clear uh, is that this letter was written to folks like me. Written to folk like me. Uh, Chief Keith, it was written to folk like me. Folk like me, folk like, um, and I don't even know if I should, I should say this, but I'm going to say it. And um, whatever, whatever happens afterward, I'm, I'm going to say it. Um, following Christ gets rough sometimes. I don't know if anybody else feel that way. If I'm the only one, I'll be the only one. Following Jesus can be challenging, to say the least. I mean, it can be, it can be rough. It can, like the songwriter said, I had some good days. Had some hills to climb. This letter is written to followers of Jesus who are willing to confess Man, following Jesus can get hard sometimes. It, it can really be a, ch I mean, a challenge. Think of, the, the one of, think of the most difficult thing you've ever done, and sometimes following Christ can be more difficult than that. I know, I know y'all so filled with the Holy Ghost and so filled with the word. Forgiving is a piece of cake for y'all. For me, it can be kind of rough sometimes. Uh, being slow to anger, swift to hear, and slow to speak. I know y'all got that down pat. I know I should be sitting out there. Y'all should be standing up here teaching me how to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Um, but for me, sometimes that's rough. That's rough. Hebrews, whether you think it may have been written to Gentiles, whether you think it may have been written to uh, Hebrews that intellectualized uh, Jesus and embraced him intellectually but didn't embrace him wholeheartedly. Whether you think Hebrews may have been written to uh, uh, Hebrews or Jews who embraced the notion of Christianity intellectually and embraced Jesus himself uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, I think all of us should agree that this letter was written to people who were following Jesus but found that following Jesus could be rough sometimes. Could be rough. Could be rough. You may be wondering, well, how rough? Okay, let me tell you how rough it could have been for them, for, 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 these, for these persons who would receive this letter. Here's, here's how rough it would be for them. 
if, if, if this letter was written, let's say to all three of those folks, whether, let's, let's suppose this letter was written to Gentiles who had no, no, no uh, uh, background following Yahweh. They worshiped idols and they came to Christ. Let's, let's suppose the letter was also written to Hebrews who intellectually embraced Christianity but did not embrace Jesus wholeheartedly. Let's, let's assume that this letter was also written to the third crowd, uh, Jews who em, em, embraced Christianity intellectually and embraced Jesus wholeheartedly, uh, especially that last crowd who embraced Christianity intellectually and embraced Jesus uh, wholeheartedly, they had it rough. Life got rough for them because they embraced Jesus wholeheartedly. When, 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 a, when, a, when the, this crowd, these, these Jews, these Hebrews, who embraced Christ, who embraced Jesus as Savior, there were people who would just, I don't know if y'all can relate to this, man, there were people who would just be mean to them. They embraced Jesus. They trying to be all kind and loving and compassionate. But there would be people who were just mean to them. Any of y'all ever experienced that? When you love Jesus, you feel with the joy of the Lord. You want to be kind and compassionate and patient. You're trying to be loving and giving and understanding. But you got some folk just being Mean, nasty, low down, filthy, ugly, evil, wicked, no good. I'm preaching to the five of y'all. Me and the five of y'all, we're going to have church this morning. Just all six of us, we're going this, to. This letter is written to people who follow Christ and life got rough because they follow Christ because there were some people, there were some people in the temple who would be mean to these people. There, there were people in the temple, people in the, in their religious, in their religious uh, order, their religious community who felt like, oh, well, yeah, we, we heard you, um, you embrace Jesus uh, as, as, as your savior. You, you think he's the promised Christ uh, that's, that's, that's to come. We, we heard you, you follow him and then they'd be, they'd respond, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I believe in, in, in Jesus as I've received him as my savior. Oh, well, uh, you're not welcome here anymore. You, you can't come in here anymore. I can't come to the temple. No, you can't. No, you and anybody like you can't come in this temple anymore. What? Can't come in the temple. That meant that they had no high priest, that they had no priest uh, no high priest. They, their, their families, if their families didn't also embrace Jesus, their families would basically kick them out the family. You following that Jesus mess. Don't you come. You're no longer welcome in this house. Can you imagine your daddy telling you you're no longer welcome in this house? Your, your mama telling you you're. Can you imagine your, your children being estranged from you, not wanting anything else to do with you because you following that Jesus mess. The Hebrew writer writes to that crowd who's, who's going through some tough times, whose life, lives have become rough because they're following Jesus. They believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the promised Christ of God, that he has come to save them of their sins, and they're following him, and life became rough. Listen, some of them, they couldn't work because if their boss, if their boss went to the temple, if their boss was down with Judaism and the old covenant system, their boss sometimes would, would, would tell them, you, you have no, you, you, you can't work here. Mm -mm, you can't work here. Can you imagine you can't feed your family anymore? Because you're following Jesus. It's rough. It's rough. The Hebrew writer, we don't know to whom exactly he was, who was, he was writing. I'm, I'm more inclined to believe. That he was writing to Jews, Hebrews, who embraced Christianity intellectually and embraced Jesus wholeheartedly, and life got rough. Life got so rough. Let me tell you life, how rough life got. Life, life got so rough. They, they were banned from the temple. They, many of them were ostracized from their families. A lot of them lost their jobs, lost their livelihood. Life got so rough that some of these folks, who had embraced Jesus, they quit Jesus and went back to whatever it was he got them out of. 
Yeah. In elementary, we've talked about this before, I've told you. In elementary school, when you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend and y'all broke up, then somebody would say, I quit them. Ain't you going with so-and-so? No, I quit them. Well, that's how we talked in Flint. When I was growing up in elementary school in Flint, Michigan, you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend and y'all broke up, the word would get around, I heard they quit you. They ain't quit me. I quit them. So there were some Jews who were following Jesus, but life got so rough, got so hard. They quit Jesus. They, they bounced on Jesus. They, they dipped on Jesus. They left Jesus. They abandoned Jesus. They, they quit Jesus and went back to whatever it was they were down with before they accepted Christ. This letter then is written to people. This letter is written to people who had one way of life. Christ came into their lives, brought them out of that. They exchanged the former way of life for this new way of life in following Christ. But when life following Christ got so hard, they went back to how they were living before they accepted Christ. I think that's what the, the today's addict in following Christ uh, has in common with the persons to whom this letter was written thousands of years ago. Because the addict, the person who may be addicted to crack cocaine, the person who may be addicted to, to powder cocaine or marijuana or, or prescribed painkillers or, or alcohol or, or, or whatever, all the stuff that can get us high or stuff that just give us pleasure, stuff that just make us feel good. That's not of God, but we're addicted to it. We got to have it. We're, maybe we're obsessed with it or maybe, maybe every now and then we just we indulge in it and we, we just got to have it. And we hate that we got to have it. We, we hate that we love it, but we got we got to have it, whatever it may be be um uh it, it could be that the addict um who who's who's tired of struggling with their addiction is so tempted to go back to just living the life of an addict you have something in common with the people to whom this letter was written people who are tempted to say i just can't i just can't with jesus right now I just, I just can't handle living life in Christ right now. I, I'm just, it's easier just to give in to my drug of choice. It's just easier to give in to, to, to my substance of choice, whatever that may be. There's something in this letter that can help all of us, any of us, who really want to live a delivered life and go further in our deliverance and, and be more solid in our deliverance and not go back to how we were living prior to accepting Christ. Are y'all with me so far? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, who these, that's who this letter was written to. Some, someone, we don't know who wrote the letter, but someone may have heard about this crowd struggling with how rough it could be trying to live for Christ. And result, and they, so many of their loved ones, so many of their friends had gone back to living lives, how they were living before Christ, they, that somebody said, I need to write these folks and encourage, watch this, and encourage the ones who haven't quit Jesus yet. And, and, and write something, give them something that can empower them to hold on, to empower them to endure and persevere. What, what, what is it in this particular text, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25, um, that, that could help all of us who want to ride with Jesus till the wheels fall off? But we, we get tempted to just say, you know what, man, I've tried, I've tried living right. It's just not working for me right now. I, uh, I'm sorry. And all of us know some folk like that. They come to church. They give their life to Christ. They, they join the choir. They join a ministry. They're on fire for the Lord. Jesus even talked about this, how sometimes the weight of the world, the pressures of the world, uh, uh, and, and whatever hard times cause them to go back into what Christ got them out of. And so the letter to Hebrews is my letter. The, he the letter to Hebrews is, for the, is a letter for anybody who's ever been tempted to go back into some stuff, some stuff you, maybe you were a to that Christ has delivered you from what is it in Hebrews chapter 10 19 to 25 that could be a word for addicted that's a good question I'm glad you asked let's jump into verse 19 verse 19 having therefore brethren boldness boldness confidence confidence to enter into the holiest uh the holiest by the blood of Jesus uh confidence that's one thing a lot of these believers lacked they lacked confidence 
confidence in Jesus being their Savior. Their confidence in Jesus being their Lord. Watch this. Their confidence in Jesus and following him being worth all the hell they catch in. Having, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Uh, boldness, confidence, that, uh, a confidence that keeps us access accessing God because we're confident that no matter how much hell we have to catch, Jesus is worth it. I mean, after all, think, let, me, let me say this now because I might forget. Let me say this now. I think Jesus decided you were worth the nails in his hand. I think, I think Jesus, I think Jesus decided you were worth the nail in his feet. I think Jesus, isn't there a song out, you, 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 you thought I was worth it? I, Jesus thought you were worth the blood he shed. He thought you and I were worth the life that he's given. You, you and I were worth it. If he could take nails in his hands, if he could take shedding his blood, if he could take his life being taken from, or him giving up his life for three days, you and I, we, we can take the hell that we got to catch. Confident, confident. The author is trying to make them more confident. He's trying to make them more confident, more confident. Jesus is worth it, confident uh, in, in their salvation. You are saved. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're not saved. You could be, in fact, your struggle is a sign that you're saved. Anybody who tries to act like they ain't struggling, they, they, they making the question, are you saved? You saved, you struggling with something. Amen. Having, therefore, brethren, boldness, confidence to enter the, into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, uh, uh, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. So here the author is trying to give his audience confidence in their having access to God confidence you have access to God no matter listen you 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 may be addicted to whatever your substance is whatever your thing is you may be addicted and so you may be questioning if you can approach God you may be questioning or feeling insecure too insecure to pray too insecure to ask for forgiveness again too insecure to to come into his presence the author is saying listen uh, having therefore brethren boldness confidence in your salvation confidence in your relationship with christ confidence that jesus is worth this confidence that jesus is your savior listen confidence to enter into the holiest by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil let the church say veil the veil now so if this, here's why I believe this letter was written to Jews who had come to Christ but was tempted to go back into Judaism. Because when they would read about this veil, this veil, they would think of the temple in the Old Testament. They would think about the tabernacle in the Old Testament that had this veil, this veil that, that's, that separated the special room, if you will, in the house of God where the presence of God dwelt. And it was so special. It was so holy. It was so consecrated. You couldn't just go up in there. You couldn't just go up in there. Uh, only the high priest could go in that area, the holiest, the holy of holies, and only one day per year. Only one day per year. We, we, we kind of understand that. We kind of understand that. Um, how many of y'all were raised in church to, you, you were taught, you don't just come up here. Yeah, you don't just come, only Rabnim can come up here. Yeah, you were taught you don't just you don't just come up here. And there are some churches we we kind of do it here. You you don't come to this spot unless you're a preacher. In funeral funerals, when we would have funerals here in the sanctuary, you got some remarks. If you're a preacher, you can come up here and give your remarks. If you ain't, say what you got to say in two minutes right there. <laughs> yeah. So the Old Testament system had the holy of holies but let's let's just suppose let's just suppose that this will be the holy of holies let's just suppose it's a sacred space you can't just go up in there and and then even in the old testament uh only the high priest could go in there once a year so there would be a huge veil a huge curtain a special made curtain to separate this space believing that behind this curtain was the very presence of god it was a very 
holy place. It was very serious. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was very dangerous. If you weren't right, if your sins weren't washed away and forgiven, you couldn't go up in there. So then that high priest will go in that space one day per year on the day of atonement. But before he went, he didn't have to make sure that his robe was pressed. That wasn't his concern. He didn't have to make sure that his shoes were shined. No, that, that wasn't his concern. Probably wasn't wearing shoes, but I'm just saying. His concern was, let me make sure before I go behind that big old veil, that curtain, let me make sure my sins have been forgiven. So he would have to offer a sacrifice for himself and then take the sacrifice of that individual worshiper and then bring it before God before he would go behind that veil. So watch this. Verse 19. One more time. Verse 19 and 20. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, confidence to enter into the holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. What the author is trying to say is because of Christ, we have access to God because of Christ you don't have to you don't, you don't need rep to go to God for you you can go for yourself this is a word for the addicted because the question that I want to answer today the question is how can any believer in Jesus Christ how can any follower of Christ any follower of Christ struggling with addiction continue to move forward in their deliverance how can anyone who loves Jesus but still loves their drug or their alcohol or their thing or, or pornography or sex or, or whatever it is, how can, they, how can they move forward in their worship, in their development as a disciple of Jesus Christ? And it is possible. It is possible to be struggling in your life, but still, you're still growing. Here's one thing. He says, um, you have access to God. One thing that can help you move forward, take advantage of your access to God. You have access to God. You don't need anybody else to go to God on your behalf one day a year. You have access to God. Verse 19, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, confidence to enter into the holiest, that place behind that veil, behind that curtain, by the blood of Jesus, by a new living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. So now what the author is saying is that just as in the Old Testament, the priest, the high priest had that big old curtain, that big old curtain that blocked that worshiper from the presence of God. We have access. We're blessed to have access to the presence of God because of Jesus. Jesus himself, as he hung on the cross, became our veil, our curtain. And that curtain was rent. It was ripped. It was broken when his flesh was broken. What am I saying? I'm saying that if you, if you want to overcome some struggle, if you want to overcome some addiction as you're following Jesus, one thing you got to do is access God. You, got to, you just got to get in his presence. You have that. Don't let the devil make you think you don't have access to God. I know you're struggling getting high. I know you're struggling with whatever it is that you know is not of God. But listen, you have access to the presence of God. But Pastor Clark, I don't know because I still be getting out. You have access to the presence of God. Pastor Clark, I don't know because I still, I still get tipsy. I still get drunk. You have access to the presence of God. Pastor Clark, how do you know? I just feel so shameful and guilty and dirty and nasty when I give in to my addiction. Pastor Clark, are you sure? Let me show you what the words say. Look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. Here's why you and I have access to the presence of God. Verse 19. Having therefore a brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by your church membership that's not what your bible said verse 19 having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by your singing in the choir having there okay hold, let me try this again having therefore king james version having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest because you're a deacon because you're a Sunday school teacher now. You teach Sunday school now. You know you get you close to God. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by what? The blood of Jesus. So here's one thing I got to point out to somebody struggling today. Let the church say today. 
I want to encourage somebody struggling today, praying for God to take the taste out your mouth, praying for God to take the desire out your heart, praying for God to remove the, 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 the uh, you, you just want God to just take it from you and he won't do it. And you're wondering, why won't God do something for me so that I can move forward in my deliverance, so I can get this behind me, so I can get this out of my life? Why won't God do something now? Baby, let me tell you, God done already did something for you. With the blood of Jesus, God is saying, I've already done something for you. When my son hung up on that cross, I was doing something for you. When my, when my son shed his blood to wash your sins away, I was doing something for you. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, confidence to enter into the holiest, not because you're a preacher, not because you're a deacon, not because you sing in the choir, not because you spoke in tongues, not because you can quote five Bible verses, but because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. What right do you have to pray to such a holy God? It's the blood of Jesus. What, what right do you have to praise such a holy God? It's the blood of Jesus. What right do you have to, to, to access the presence of a holy God? Baby, it's the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Watch this. The blood of Jesus that has washed away your sins. The blood of Jesus that has washed. Hear me now. Hear me. That has delivered you from the power of sin. Very important that we get this clear. Very important. You've been delivered from the power of sin. I need somebody who's following Jesus to repeat after me. I have been delivered from the power of sin. This is a word for the addicted because, listen. The, the power of sin has been broken over your life. The power of that drug has already been broken over your life. The power of whatever it is you are addicted to has already been broken over your life. Now, if you want to declare and decree that it's broken over your life, feel free to declare and decree. But when the blood, when you accepted Jesus in your life, the blood that he shed thousands of years ago already broke the back. Of, of, of crack cocaine already broke the back of pornography already broke the back of alcoholism I'm telling you that the blood of Jesus has washed your sins away it has delivered it has delivered you and I from the power of sin that that drives us into addiction to give in to addiction you may be wondering why God ain't moving on your behalf he's already moved He's already moved. When Jesus hung on that cross, he already moved. I pray that you're encouraged in knowing God has already moved for you. Amen. I have access to God. Not because my daddy was a preacher, not because of the church I'm a, I'm a member of, not because of anything, but because of the blood of Jesus. His sins have washed my, his blood has washed my sins away and has, and has broken the power of sin over my life. This week, this week, don't do it now, but this week I want you to read Romans chapter 6. Read Romans chapter 6, the whole chapter. When you get a chance, read Romans chapter 6 because what Romans chapter 6 will encourage all of us. I said, don't do it now. Don't read it now. Because I'm, I'm going to try to do this for about 10, 15 more minutes. I'm going to be done. Don't read Romans 6. No, we can go to Romans 6. Don't go to Romans 6 now. Read Romans 6 because Romans 6 encourages all of us with, with, with something along these lines. Don't let your flesh have dominion over you. You've already been delivered from the power that causes you to give in to your flesh. That's why Romans chapter 6 tells us don't let your flesh have dominion. Don't let sin have dominion over you. When I give in to my addiction, when you give in to your addiction, you are basically giving sin permission to entrap you when Jesus has already delivered you. Having therefore, therefore, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest, the presence of God. You have access to God. When I pray, I'm, 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 I'm having ex I have access to God so I can pray with him. I can commune with him. I can, I can pour out my heart to him. I can struggle with him by a new and living way. This, lay, this way of Christ is a new and living road. It's a new road. It's a new path which he has consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. He's done it for us. He's done it for us. Look at verse 21. And having in high priest Christ Jesus over the house of God, all of us. Here's the other thing we got to do in verse 22. I need, to, I need to access God. I need to leverage my access to God. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart. Don't sleep on that. 
with a true heart. That word in the Greek, that, that phrase true heart in the Greek is, is kind of hard to capture how serious it is in English. Because the best way we can, the closest we can get to it, quite the closest we can get to it is to say with a sincere heart. But it's, some scholars say it, it's, it's deeper than that. It's like come to him as for real as you possibly can. Come on, y'all. Look at verse 23. Uh, verse 22. Let us draw near. You have access to God. You're struggling, but you have access to God. So then what do I do? What's, what's the word for the addicted? He's telling these people who, who they knew folks. Listen, they knew people who was following Christ, but life got so hard. Life got so rough. They quit Jesus, went back to how they were living before they hooked up with Christ. For all of us who are tempted to give in to our addiction, here's what it says. Let us draw near. Draw near to the presence of God. Draw near to him in communion, in prayer, with a true heart, the real you. Listen to me. Listen, listen. Not the church you. <laughs> not, not the you you want other people to think is really you, but it ain't really you. The real you, when you come to the presence of God, you, 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 you leverage your access to God, and you can talk to God like this. God, I done got high again. I thought I was through with this. I done got high again. Or, or, or sometimes you can be this real. When I was wrestling with going to get the drug or the alcohol or the whatever, I knew I should have come to you to ask you to give me strength. So that I wouldn't give in and indulge. But I ain't want to talk to you. I wanted what I wanted. All six of us who ever talked to God like that. Just let me get an amen. All six. I knew I should have come to you at the front end. I didn't come to you at the front end because I didn't want to. I knew I should have. Temptation. Some of us. I know some of y'all ain't going to relate to what I'm about to say. But some, two or three of us. In the midst of that temptation, we know should we call on God. We, we should call on God. In the midst of the temptation, we don't want to fool with him. We want to give in. So we do. Say what we ain't got no business saying. Do what we ain't got no business doing. Go where we ain't got no business going. Give in. That temptation, whew, temptation ain't no joke. Temptation ain't no joke. For temptation to be so strong to where you, you're in the middle of it. And the Bible says that he always, God always gives us a way of escape. Always. There's always a way out. There you go. We don't always want to, me and you, the two of us, don't always want to take it. Verse 22, verse 23 ought to encourage, verse 22 ought to encourage all of us. Let us draw near with a true heart, a genuine heart, a, a no-holds-barred heart. A, God, I can't hide nothing from you, so why should I even try heart? God is, come to, let, let us draw near with a God, I can't front with you heart. I should, I know I'm supposed to forgive, but I can't stand that sorry. <laughs> yeah. Lord, I know I'm supposed to just dismiss this anger and this bitterness and this unforgiveness. But God, I thought I forgave him until I saw them at Walmart today. This is a word for the addicted. This, this is a word for those of us who have been delivered because we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. And when you accepted Jesus, his blood, by the power of his blood and your faith in, in, in what he's done for you on Calvary's cross, listen to me. You have been delivered from the power of sin. You have been delivered. 
But you got to walk in that deliverance. You got to want to go further in that deliverance. You got to want to be stronger in that deliverance to the point where stuff that used to get you, you ain't even tempted no more. It doesn't even get you no more. <laughs> and, and you can grow and come to that place where I don't, I don't even, I, I, don't, I don't even want to do that no more. I don't, it's, it's not a thing for me. Uh, I told y'all, the, the last time I, I brought this up, I told y'all, I have not smoked marijuana since 1985. I told y'all that. The last time I said that, I had not smoked marijuana since 1985. I can't remember when I told y'all that, but when I told y'all that, I had not smoked marijuana since 1985. I can't remember when I told y'all that. It was true when I told you, though. Today, I can stand before you and say, I still have not smoked marijuana since 1985. Ain't been tempted to smoke it. Even if I do get tempted, I don't even know who to call to fight. I might have to call some of y'all. I don't even know which one of y'all to call. Hey, I need. I know I could call some of y'all. I just don't know which ones of y'all I could call. <laughs> uh, I, hey, listen, I don't know. I ain't saying I smelt it on you nothing. I just, I know, I know folk. <laughs> Here's my point. I can walk into a room where everybody in there is smoking. I won't get tempted. Pastor, Pastor Clark, you want? No, I'm good. I'm good. Matter of fact, let me step outside. I'm not, that, that's not a trigger for me. But for some people, that's the scent of it could be a trigger. I'm not tempted to get drunk anymore. I'm not. My, I, on my most stressful day, and let me, when I tell you I had some stressful days this week, Jesus helped me today. On my most stressful day, I'm not tempted to, to cope with the stress with alcohol. There was a time when I did. I was, I was, I was in pursuit of the buzz. And wasn't going to stop drinking until I got that buzz. I was trying to cope. It's not stress. Listen, stress is no longer a trigger for me. To pursue a buzz. God has done a work in my life where I don't, need, I don't need a buzz. In fact, the last thing I want is a buzz. I don't want a buzz. I don't want my consciousness altered or diminished at all. I don't want a buzz anymore. I don't want that. Now, for me to say that, you just got to understand. When I tell you God has brought me from a mighty long way. Because there was a time I had to have that buzz. I had I had to have that buzz because I had to have it. Let us draw near with a true heart. A true heart. A true, a true heart. A true heart is when the person, the person would say, God, God I, I, I just need to get high. I, I, just, I, just need to, I just need a release. I just, I, feel like I, I, I just feel like I need it. Or you can come to him afterward. With a true heart, God, I did it because I wanted to. The devil didn't make me do it. Stress may have been a trigger. I could have got out of it. You gave me away, but I gave in. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, sprinkled by the blood of Christ. He's done something to our hearts, done something to our conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Many scholars believe that simply, believe, that simply refers to water baptism. Water baptism. Verse 23, I'm, two things real quick. I, I, I got to get out of here. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. What he's saying is you need to hold on to your confession that Jesus is your Savior. Hold on to it with a tight grip. Like, like when a pit bull gets a hold of something with his, with his jaws. It, you, when a pit bull gets a hold of something, you, you're going you're gonna to have a hard time getting that pit bull to unlock his jaws. That, that grip is tight. Uh, uh, he's saying, let us hold fast the profession or confession of our faith, our faith in Christ as Savior, without wavering. That word wavering, that word wavering speaks of leaning, leaning to go back into something, leaning backward, without wavering to go back into what Christ has got you out of. Why? Look at the end of verse 23. For he is faithful that promised. God is faithful. He said he'd bring you out. He brought you out. God said he'd see you through. He'll see you through. God said that he has a home in heaven waiting for you. He's faithful. Trust him to be faithful. Let that be an incentive 
for you to for you to victoriously combat your addiction. Verses 24 and 25. I'm gonna wrap this up. Look at 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Here's a verse 25 that I, I hope I can clear up today. We use verse 25 to 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 beat folk into coming back to church. Look at verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. As the manner of some is. Some folks have, some folk have stopped coming to the gatherings. Life has gotten so rough for them that they've stopped coming to the gatherings. They don't want to be identified with us anymore. They don't want to be seen with us anymore. They stopped coming to the gatherings because life has gotten so rough. They're like, man, I just, I just can't with Jesus no more. I just, I just can't, man. My family has disowned me. I'm out of work. I just can't. It's not working. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching, the day of judgment, the day of Christ. Here's what I need us to get. For anyone following Jesus and struggling with addiction is, is, is a couple of things I need you to do that can help you uh, uh, walk in your victory that the blood of Jesus has already secured for you. One, I already told you, you need to access your, 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 the presence of God. You need to leverage access to the presence of God. Don't let your, your weakness keep you from God. Don't let your failure keep you from God. Don't let your giving in to your flesh, giving in to your addiction, keep you from God. Don't let your insecurity keep you from God. Don't let what anybody else may have told you keep you from him, keep you from praying, keep you from spending time with him, keep you from repenting, keep, keep you from coming to him and being for real, for real. I mean, the most for realist you could ever be. But there's something else about, about coming to church that I need to clear up because our gathering is to empower all of us to continue moving forward in our deliverance. There's something, listen to me, please. There's something about our coming together that is to empower us to, to want to live right. To want to want to be victorious. To want to want to say no to addiction. To where we only want to be addicted to Jesus Himself and addicted to prayer, addicted to good works, addicted to love, addicted to compassion, addicted to holiness. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? There's something about our coming together. But what we've done over the years, we've made church a place. Did you go to church today? That's the wrong question to ask. We make it a place. We make it an event. But it's, and, and, and so then you have some people who will say, I didn't get anything out of church today. And anyone, listen, streaming, listen. Anyone who would go to any church and walk out of that worship experience and say, I didn't get anything out of church today. They didn't church right. Anyone who would go to a church, a worship experience and walk out and say, I didn't get anything out of church today. Listen to me based on this word. They didn't go to church. They didn't church right. Because look at verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. That word provoke, it, it, it kind of means, you know, when somebody getting on your nerves. That's what that word provoke means in the Greek. Get on their nerves in a good way to make them more loving and do good things. That's what our gathering, that's what our family, our assembly is to do. So you, you can't come. We, we've made this. A, a place as in an event where I come to be blessed or to be fed. And so we want to be blessed by whatever happens from the very beginning to the very end. We want to be blessed. We want to be fed rather than be a blessing and be the reason why somebody feels like they can walk in their victory this today and tomorrow and in the, in, in the days to come. That, that there's something about, th these two verses are, teach us that there should be something about when we come together, we are, two, two things, we're looking to bless somebody and we're looking to be blessed by somebody. And it doesn't have to only be the word. Now, I pray that the word does bless you, but it doesn't have to only be the word. Let's suppose, let's suppose the music. Now, if you sit back, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday 
and you want folk to sing to you, you are very likely going to, you're setting yourself up to, to, to say what some folk say, I didn't get anything out of church today. Because we supposed to be singing. We, we supposed to be singing. We're supposed to be worshiping. I didn't get so-and-so prayed. Oh, my God, I couldn't wait for them to stop. Well, first of all, if all you did was listen to them pray, and you said, mm-hmm, yes, Lord, yes, God, amen. Let's, and you're looking at your phone, yes, Lord, yeah, amen, yes, God, thank you, Jesus, amen, yes. If you ain't praying while they're praying, you probably ain't going to get nothing. See, we come, we, we, we come to the place looking to, looking to get something. Because that consumer mindset has, has so, is, is so drives us when we ain't coming in looking to worship and to give God something. Tell God something. Right? Bless somebody with something, whether it's an encouraging word, so a, a prayer or something, or just asking, how your mama doing? How's your daddy doing? How's your husband? How's your... You understand what I'm saying? If you come to church week after week looking to get something, chances are, I don't care where you go, you take the risk of going in that building, walking out of that building, getting nothing out of the service. The author of Hebrews tells, look at verse 24, let us consider, let, let, us, let us contemplate. That, that phrase means you put some thought into it. Put some thought into it. Which means that between today and next Sunday, listen, listen, between today and next Sunday, all of us should be thinking, how can I bless somebody next time I come to, next time I go to Union Grove? How can I encourage somebody? Who can I encourage? How can I encourage somebody? How can I tell somebody? Who, who, who can I pray for this week? And when I, when I see them on Sunday, I've been praying for you this week. No, I, I prayed for you. I, I did. I, I've been praying. Because let's be honest, how many times we tell folks, I'm going to be praying for you. And then what if you walk up to somebody? Say, I've been praying for you this week. I've been, I've been mentioning you by name. Before the God who's able to perform miracles. I've been lifting up you and your family. Everybody else talking about your family. I've been praying for you and your family. Or maybe you call them. Baby, I know what focus is. Baby, I'm praying for you and your family. And I'm trusting God to bless your family. Now, wouldn't that bless you? Let us consider. Let us put some thought into. Let us throughout the week be thinking, hmm. How can I stir somebody, encourage someone, push someone to be more loving and do good works? Do some good in their household, in their, in their job, in their community. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. There's something about our togetherness that is to empower us to live holy empower us to to go forward in our deliverance to be determined i'm going to live a life of deliverance i'm going to live a life of victory i'm going to live a life i'm going to i'm going to win i'm going to overcome this addiction i'm going to listen i to starting today i got one day clean praise god i got one day clean i got high last night whatever i got one day clean from here on out i'm counting next when i come up here next time seven days clean it's something about how we got to think about consider put thought into a map how can i help my brother or my sister win yeah that's what this is to be all about that's what our gatherings is to be all about so you can't only be fed by the word i pray that you are i pray that you are fed by the word but you got to be sometimes sometimes i'm gonna show you i'm done jonathan go on just start playing i'm done let me show y'all i'm done this is why i can't let connie preach every sunday because y'all be spoiled great word last sunday too i watched the video Worship, you, too many of us, we want the corporate worship experience to be as if we're going to uh, Bonefish Grill, the restaurant, or, or some, some restaurant where the server comes to you and asks you what you want to drink. Do you want an appetizer? What do you want for your entree? Then they come and they refill your drinks. They, they serve you. 
They come and they serve you. They bring you everything. That's, that's how we want church. We want whoever's going to do the prayer to serve us. Whoever's going to sing to serve us. Whoever's going to preach to serve us. We want, we want, we want to be served. We want to sit back while, while the singing is going on. We're just sitting back being served and, and criticizing and complaining. Rather than giving God worship. Because we want to be served. Worship, worship is to be more like if you're going to a buffet, like you're going to old time. Where somebody might bring you a drink, a, a sweet tea, or a Sprite, or a Coke. But if you want some of that fried chicken, you're going to have to get up and go get it yourself. If you want some of that real thick, crispy bacon that they only seem to have at old time, and it's made just right, and you put it on top of them collard greens and... Lord have mercy. And then you get some of that uh, going on what, Friday night and get that, that catfish and it's all a catfish. If you want some of that, Lord, you got to get up and go get it yourself. Worship, worship is more like the buffet. You got to get it yourself through your prayers, through your praise, through your worship, through your testimony. Through your serving someone. Through your blessing someone. Yeah. There's something about us when we gather. Is to empower us so that all of us walk away believing. I can make it. <laughs> I can make it. I can win. I don't have to give in to that drug. I don't have to give in. And what can really encourage you is if somebody else in the assembly struggled with the same thing with which you are struggling they tell you yeah baby it took me a while till you hang in there you're gonna be all right you're gonna be clean you're gonna make it you can get past this you can get past the bitterness you can get past the shame you can get past the guilt you get past you can get past the, the how, how the secrecy makes it even more difficult because you don't know who you can talk to you don't know who you can trust you don't know who would really understand who could really relate to how intense the struggle is for you how you can talk to somebody and the last thing you need to hear is oh just pray about it leave it at the altar take it to the altar and leave it there and uh, maybe that that's not gonna help me in my situation i don't know i some stuff i struggle with that that's i need something more than that i need don't just tell me, just take it to the altar and leave it there, baby, you know. That, 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 some temptation is so strong. You need more than that. There's something about being in the presence of God who wants you to win. And being in the presence of people who want you to win. That empowers you to keep struggling until you're winning consistently. That's what makes support groups so powerful. That's what makes Alcoholics Anonymous so powerful. That's what makes Narcotics Anonymous so powerful. That's what makes support groups so, pow so powerful because everybody is in there determined to win. And they help other people and they can relate. When you open up and share, they can relate. Let's, let's pray for our church family. Let's pray for our gatherings that when we come together, we're, we're empowering one another. Not a bunch of consumers just looking to get something, but we're, look, we're thinking throughout the week, how, how can I be a blessing? How can I encourage? How can I exhort to love? How can I, how can I help lift somebody up and move them forward? Let's stand, y'all. I'm done. Let's stand. I, I need everyone, especially those of us secretly battling addiction, I need you to know you can win. I need you to know God wants you to win. God wants you to live a life of victory. He wants you to live a life of deliverance. But Pastor Clark, how could God, why would God, why wouldn't he answer my prayer? Why would God, God already showed you in his son shedding his blood for you. Already showed you. I want you to win. I'm going to give you resources to help you win. I'm here to help you win. If no one else wants to hear it, come, come talk to me with a sincere heart, with a true, genuine heart. Tell me what's up. One thing that really frustrates me is when I try to talk to people about some stuff I'm going through, and they, their response shows me they don't, they don't understand. They just don't. They don't get it. They mean well, but they don't. They don't get it. God gets it. 
God gets it. Baby, when I tell you God gets it, come to him with a sincere heart. Two people. God will help you. Your church family is designed to help you. Let's be that family. Will you join me in prayer? Will you join me in prayer? If you want to come to the altar, feel free. Whether you're battling addiction or you just got some stuff, you just want to move forward. Will you join me in prayer? Don't come to the altar so I can pray for you. If you want to join me in prayer, meet me at the altar. If you want to pray with me about whatever it is going on, meet me at the altar. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.